Hello. Thanks for tuning in today. Welcome, everyone. We have our last installment of our grief series today, and it's all going to basically bring everything that we've discussed kind of full circle and talk about how that circle just continues. (laughs) So stick with us, and uh, then we will uh, dive more into that. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. Um, thanks for being here. We know that, you know, talking about and exploring our quote-unquote grief, it's a heavy, hard, and brave thing to do. Um, you know, so if we didn't remind you before, we can do it now, but make sure if you need to pause or step away, it's okay. You can come back um, and listen when you're ready. Uh, it's especially if sometimes if this is the first time you're hearing concepts like these, it can be pretty overwhelming and and very very emotional. Um, and as usual. (laughs) Remember, we are not medical professionals. (laughs) We're just reluctant ones (laughs) by experience and default. Just kidding. Um, But we're really your peers uh, in this walking this path and highlighting and creating space for us to have these discussions. Um, So we've said it numerous times on every single episode that we've recorded thus far on each topic, and that is that grief isn't linear. It's just not um, for any type of grief, right? But specifically, there there is more specific distinction for us and the type of path that we're walking that it even looks far more different. Um, So there was a psychologist that wrote a book called Nobody's Perfect. And basically what it's, uh, it was written by Dr. Nancy Miller. Um, She was a psychologist and social worker. And the rest of the title for the book, by the way, is uh, Nobody's Perfect, Living and Growing with Children Who Have Special Needs. Um, So what she did is she worked with four moms over the process of five years and distilled their experiences into one book. And then uh, this particular model that I'm going, that we're going to dive into had derived from those communications with those moms and the experience of working with the families and the writings of the parents and other professionals that they were working with. Um, so we're going to introduce that, that 
uh, model, and that is that grief is a, is a wheel of adaptation, and it basically is broken into four different phases and stages and four different hemispheres that also very similarly, like a Venn diagram, kind of overlap um, if you wanted to create a visual for it. And we will share those visuals um, and content uh, for, for everyone to see um, when the show has launched. Um, so you'll be able to actually reference that um, material. Obviously, you can also go look for the book. Um, so a couple other things I wanted to define uh, before we dive into the conversation is what, why is, why is it just thinking about the word adaptation, right? So what does adaptation mean? Um, it's the action or process of adapting or being adapted. Um, so I would say, again, a term that we use frequently on the podcast is that, you know, we were a little bit more seasoned on our journey than when we were, when we started out. Um, there is a, there is a capacity of adaptation that each of us have, even if we get kicked back into these other stages. Um, so I want to highlight or start out with why adaptation kicks in. Okay. So it kicks in because we feel robbed of our chance and our child's chance of living an equal life to those of other children. Um, this is what kind of sprawls it. Um, and the four stages that we're going to explore are one, first one is searching. The second one is, well, sorry, first one is survival. Second one is searching. Third one is settling in. And the last one is separating. Okay, so let's let's talk about what survival <laughs> survival looks like. Um, um, survival looks like the four of us this summer, right now, last summer. Currently, <laughs> that's what survival looks at like this moment. <laughs> yeah, we're looking we're at it. All, we're all kind of hanging by our last knots on a, our a, a very delicate thread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we keep tying more knots to that thread and hanging on for dear life. <laughs> um, so you know, and and again, another preface is, is that there is no no right way to adapt to these phases. The wheel is ever moving. It's changing and can happen simultaneously. You know, we, we reference that a lot too. Again, like why you may be feeling this at that time, it's okay to also, you know, be feeling other parts of the cycle as well. You know, they're all kind of happening in tandem at the same time. Um, these areas will overlap and, and you really genuinely on this journey and we, which you will hear from each of us can attest that you're going to cycle through these again and again and again. Mm -hmm. um, so what the first stage looks like beyond just metaphorically saying us <laughs> is, uh, is survival. And that's a reflection of our coping and reactivity. And that looks like shock, bodily stress symptoms, headache, fatigue, grief, loss, confusion, fear, guilt, self-doubt, anger, and denial. So basically almost the whole entire top bracket of, of, of 
the initial phases of, of grief mm-hmm. um, are all kind of happening in that first initial thing. So if y'all can remember, well, actually, you know, I think it will be good for us to kind of chat, just not even maybe use where it is, talk about where we are now and how we feel like we're in, where survival mode may be playing into us now, obviously, as Brittany referenced, but also talk, you know, reference, maybe draw cross-comparison and correlation to when we first started out. Um, Because I think, again, it's showing kind of that level of adaptation to this survival mode that that we may be in so mm-hmm. who wants to mm-hmm. who wants to disclose all of their yucky stuff first <laughs> <laughs> i will um, nobody nobody oh, gosh go <clears throat> well um currently uh this is the summer with no um esy and it has proven itself to be almost, I guess, impossible. Um, obviously, Jack, it, it's necessary for him. You know, he is not to his grade level, which is, you know, common, normal. But um, the, the, the testing, what do you want to call it, Gene? Standards or um, acceptance yeah. or whatever. Uh, he, he was not accepted this year and it has Oh yeah, not qualifying no, for just eligibility. not yeah for the, for the eligibility, which is insane. You know, obviously he he it's necessary for him, but um, it has been a rough summer. It's been a it started out good, and then the um, you know day in day out routine, but no routine has be has just become um, a struggle with behaviors, with attitude, with. Um, um, you know, increased everything, stimming and, and, um, obsessions and just all of it, all of it. Uh, so we are in, we are in survival mode right now. Um, I am praying for a fast (laughs) August (laughs) and to be back to school. I mean, is that not just the craziest thing to say, you know, like you want to be able to enjoy, but it's just so much. And, um, you know, with me being a stay at home mom and Tyler, uh, being the breadwinner, um, it, it puts a lot on him to, to work extra. And then in turn puts a lot on me to be the only one managing the chaos here. So, um, my medication is, just barely scraping the edge of <laughs> keeping <laughs> keeping me sane. <laughs> oh, I, I'll raise my hand and I'll second that. I, I thought I might uh, put a little order into my doctor and say, yeah, go ahead and bump that uh, Prozac up to 30 milligrams. <laughs> <laughs> um, we laugh, yeah. but we're all so, serious. Like, yeah, I'm d- like, that's I, okay yes, if you this, do that. You ha- sometimes you have to laugh in order to not cry. <laughs> um, Got it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I would say in, you know, in kind of like conjunction and and to when the whole process started with us, um, I think shortly 
like within the first year is when I felt like we were kind of in that survival mode because it, you know, we had started all the therapies beforehand before we had had the diagnosis. Um, and then it just became, it was just so much, you know, it was just going to therapies, you know, school, it, it was just all the things. And you felt like you were just, just that, just in survival mode and just, um, in, in Groundhog's Day of trying to level things out, trying to level out the behaviors, trying to, um, figure out, you know, why the behaviors are happening. Um, just all the things trying to, trying to figure out, you know, what's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? I don't know. It's, you know, and then, Mm -hmm. and then things, and then things do even out and and you're not in survival mode. And then somehow you're in survival mode again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with something else. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make light of this, but it's, no, it's what, it is. It's I mean, what, I'm like not going to laugh about it. Short it's like, four years and the longest four years have felt like, you know, it's, I don't know how to explain like it. I hope it. all of you out there in the audience just go, yep, I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like gopher. It's like playing gopher. <laughs> you you <laughs> snuff out one thing and then something else pops up over mm-hmm. here, right? And it's just and sometimes there's like a bunch popping up at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's real fun. Mm-hmm. You know, super fun. Like really exciting times for us because we really love that. Yeah. You know, you know, we really we're just adrenaline junkies for that, apparently. And I'm being completely sarcastic. And then it's the and, and then it's, you know, the 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 top layer of it then is managing um you know, your, your relationship with your spouse, um, during this and, and, you know, so that, that you're working together as a team, or, you know, if you have typical children trying to make sure that they are not caught up in this survival mode as well, you know, um, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. I feel like though, sometimes it's just like unavoidable. I feel like it's, it's going to, it's going to permeate all of those areas, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like then deciding how y'all, everybody's going to recover when we can, if we can get out of survival mm-hmm. mode, which, which we will, um, which we will talk about. Um, Brittany, Shannon's just look, look at Shannon's yeah, face. Shannon's like, I just second. Every- Shannon, do you want to go? Everything. No, like we're literally having this conversation and Maya is watching Gracie because Jay got a mm-hmm. last minute oh, yeah, for our call out. Yep. Gosh. Okay. First responder wives. And, and luckily Jay won't be able to listen to this episode for like another month. We're not half, shaming you guys, but, Tyler and Jay. We're not. I No, no. <laughs> but as we're going through this, I get a text from Maya. Look what Gracie did while I was cooking my breakfast. Oh, geez. And I told you guys, she's been super into, like, she loves her closet in her new room. Um, And I, like, set up, like, her big squishmallow. She's got, like, sensory chews in there. She's got blocks, you know, and she just loves being in there. I think it's cozy and whatever. And Maya sends me a picture of a, okay, guys, we've been in this house for, like, a week. So let's preface it with that. She sends me a picture, I'm going to show you, of a patch of wall that Gracie has picked the paint off of in oh. her new closet. Here's the picture. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So if, that's, if, that, if that gives you any idea oh, of man. where Br- we're Brittany's at Brittany's having a meltdown. Um, and it's, not, it's not even her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, luckily, her inside. head's exploding right now. She's exploding head emoji. I'm dying inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have oh, one word I mean, for you, Shannon. Luckily, I have one word. Yeah. Shiplap. 
Oh, right. I know. I I think you're just going to have to ship that Uh, whole room, honey. (laughs) Luckily, luckily we, we have touch up paint. Like it's fine. We can, I can go in there and I can paint it. Don't you? Well, while we're on that topic, Mm -hmm. let's talk logistics for a second. I remember after we moved (laughs) in, I think it's like after the first 30 days, they come back and they do touch ups for you. Didn't get that deal? Well, so they have a six get it out of your system, Gracie, month. and then after that, no more making the paint. You know, in a right. perfect world. Well, and Maya's like, "Can I take her out of her closet?" And I was like, "What's going to keep her from going back in, Maya?" Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like, she's just going to well, go back and in. better in um, the closet than um, in the living room. <laughs> Well, I know, but it's like if you start in the closet, are you then going to try to continue elsewhere? Totally. Like, am I going to have to? But oh, sweet, right now it's contained. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So that's okay. So that's Shannon cool. is second. It's uh, mm-hmm. yep, survival. Mm-hmm. It's just it's what's yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult right now, and I I have to keep reminding myself that like we really have thrown Gracie for a loop in the last month. Mm-hmm. You know, packing up the old house; she's never lived anywhere else. Moving into a new house, um, her OT has been canceled for the last couple weeks. Um, one due to the move, and two, her um, OT ended up getting COVID. Um, you know, and just like so, we've we've really thrown a you know a loop at her the last month. So I I keep trying to remind myself that so that I can be patient, but we're struggling a lot with certain behaviors. And I don't know if it's like communication frustration. I'm not sure. I was talking to the girls the other day, Gracie, you know, when she was really little before she had any words, she would push or pull. That was like her method of communication to get, to show you things, you know, since she couldn't verbalize it. And, um, she is back to pushing and pulling again. Um, except now she's, you know, big and strong. Mm. (laughs) So just when she wants something, wanting to move you to that location to get what she wants um, and is being very stubborn about it. And it's just one of those things, you know, Tasha, you were talking about like second guessing yourself and Mm -hmm. am I doing things right? Am I doing? And it's like, it's like, well, okay. So every time she pushes, does she go in timeout? Like, after she's been asked to stop, does she go in timeout? Does she, like, how do we reinforce that this be- behavior is not okay? Unfortunately, ignoring the behavior and having no reaction is not a thing. She's too big. So, like, <laughs> she can shove me all over the place. So, like, I can't, like, ignoring it isn't really isn't really an option. So, just kind of being stuck in that place um, of frustration, of second guessing of worrying um worrying about is the way that we're handling this the right way the wrong way worrying about what does this mean for the future and what does now the future look like and is this something that's going to continue as she gets older and larger um there's just a lot of heaviness around things like that um all while navigating, you know, a million different changes that are kind of going on in our life right now. I, I, anyway, think, you know? I feel like that's kind of the hard part too, right? Is that, um, you know, as typical people, we, um, when we have these things happen in life where we, it, you know, our, our life gets shook up a little bit, rattled, we're whatever it might be, you know, a move, um, it, it's hard and it's stressful and, and we know how mm-hmm. we manage it and how, it feels inside to us, but you know, that, I guess that's kind of the question is that 
this is life. You know, this is always going to be part of mm-hmm. their life as well. How do we handle, you know, them through these walking well, them through the these transitions, transitions that are going to be constantly? Yeah. This is a going to be a constant, continual thing. Mm-hmm. You know, ebb and flow in life. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Where where do we, where do we get to the point where we're not in just like you know barely holding on by that thread, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like it's like this a lot of again it's the uh, analogy of having all the tabs open. We get even more tabs open as the moms that we are. You got a lot of things in the air, and we are we have the mental fatigue because we're the ones doing all the strategy by default. Mm-hmm. Well. I can speak for this group. I can't say, I I don't want to say that there aren't men that don't because I am certain there are men that do. In our cases, our men are not the ones that are doing the strategy for our kids and the day-to-day cadence and operations of our home and their, and their behaviors. And I will tell you the one thing, like when I'm listening to Shannon talk about this, the one thing that ends up I get to my limit. I'm out of my tools. I know that in order for me to, if I want to quote unquote, I hate this word, extinct a behavior, it's never extincting. I've always have to look at, okay, how am I going to replace it? I'm not going to just get, I, and it's like, I don't have any more capacity to think about mm-hmm. what are all the, why I'm literally like right now, Shannon, you're in the middle of unpacking and reorganizing and settling into a whole new home. It's like, I don't even, I also at the same time simultaneously have to figure out how and if I can replace that behavior and redirect it to, you know, and turn it into something positive versus that she's not going to then go move into these other rooms and do Mm -hmm. that. I think that is like, that's a big part of that takes up a lot of room in our heads. And a lot of times we don't, some days, especially with the load that we're carrying right now, and that you're specifically carrying, like we're not giving it the stuff that is on your plate right now. There's very, there's very little room for you to really have that range to really just make it strictly about, okay, how, what can I do about Gracie? Cause you're not just doing Gracie right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I not. think, I think part of it too, like I've been really working, trying to get Gracie back in ABA now that Maya's driving. Um, and, you know, I know we've talked about ABA before and Gracie's ABA that we've always done has been very play-based. So it hasn't been, you know, boot camp style ABA by any means. And really trying to figure that out at this point, because I really feel like I need help coming up with tools and ideas, right? I think that sometimes we get so focused in a rabbit hole of like the struggles that we're facing that just having that third party come in Mm -hmm. who deals with these different kids every single day, who's seen a lot of different things can really help provide you with ideas that you may not have considered or that you've just been so overwhelmed that you haven't been able to see you get in those holes where your blinders are on. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's been struggles with that that I won't even, you know, go into because right. that's a whole other episode that we could right. talk for hours on. But I think that this is like a very big piece of how how the whole point of this episode is that grief is not linear. And now Gracie is seven and she was diagnosed before she hit two and we're five years in and seeing these types of things creep up again, bring back that feeling of grief and bring back that feeling of like It's not supposed to be this way. Mm -hmm. With Maya, if she pushed, we could have a conversation. We could talk about why pushing 
isn't okay and different ways that we can communicate so that we don't have to push. And understanding that Gracie doesn't have the same tools that Maya had. So sometimes, you know, Gracie does need to push. And while it's not optimal, like it is a way of her to communicate, but just trying to figure out ways through that and just being reminded again, like this isn't the way that it's, you know, quote, and I use quotation marks there, you know, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And just confronted again with the fact that it's hard, you know, and it's like we we sometimes go through these periods where we have, you know, months of it's great, you know, and everything's good. And you kind of forget about the way that it feels to sit in something like mm-hmm. this until it happens again. And I think that all four of us are sort of dealing with our own little version of that this summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But then I also want to point out right now in your case too, like, look at how more adapted you are. Look where... Mm-hmm you are in your life right now and goals that you set and things that you're doing, even while now that you're back in the hard, you still, you, you are more adapted, or at least I feel like mm-hmm. of dealing with it. It doesn't make it any less Hard. harder. Mm-hmm. You just, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's like endurance training. Yeah. Yeah. No, it <laughs> um, really is. <laughs> it's mental endurance. Yeah. And sometimes we're not going to be our fittest selves and we're going to, where you get, you know, we get plunged into new territory and that's what like, again, thrusts you back into that survival mode. Um, Brittany, what about, what about you? <laughs> Everyone's smiling at me. Four, <laughs> four kids. <laughs> four kids. Two, I don't the, even, two that are autistic. I don't even know where to start, honestly. Like, I don't even know what mm-hmm. to say. Like, I, yeah, it's been, I mean, as far as survival goes, I just feel like that's all I've been doing um, for a very, very long time. I know we all kind of, the timeline of the last three years with the pandemic really like you can't remember when certain things happened, if it was Mm -hmm. before or after in the middle, like it's really, really hard to navigate timelines and looking back over these last few years, um, regardless Mm -hmm. of whatever, even just remembering when you went on a vacation or you went and saw somebody or I know, I I think I'm not alone when I say that. So, Mm -hmm. and I, for me, I think it's because, um, when the world went down into lockdown, we went into a level of survival that I hope never to (laughs) be in again. (laughs) And I still don't feel like I have fully resurfaced from that. Um, It is not, we've, we've made some, you know, steps on the ladder, right? We're, we're, we're not at the very bottom, but, but we're not out of it yet. And it's still happening. And Mm -hmm. I, it's not just because of the pandemic, but it was a huge factor in it. Um, in the the transitions and the the jarring lifestyle change that happened uh, for for all of us, and uh, it's the ripple effects are still being felt in our family from that from that experience. And I'm I'm speaking mostly about Austin, but but for all of us really. Um, and then we had another layer of kind of the beginning stages of puberty and. Uh, a lot of hormonal changes for Austin at the same time. And that 
combination, those two things alone have just completely rocked our world, um, rocked his world, which then rocks our family's world. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been, I really don't even know if I fully processed everything. So I can't, I can't give a (laughs) overall, you know, synopsis or some great antidote of, of what, what we did or why we did it, or if this was good or this was bad, because I'm still living it. But um, it's been, it's been a process. And I feel like my survival with having four children has been a lot of whoever cries or screams wolf the loudest, whoever's the squeakiest wheel, you know, is getting my attention in that second, in that moment. And then everyone else just has to like hang on until I deal with whatever this is right in front of my face. This is a very immediate thing. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as that is under control enough where I can at least step back and look at another child or another person in this family, then I switch to the next person who is screaming or yelling. And I'm saying metaphorically, like not all four children are screaming at me, but you know what I mean? Like whoever has the next immediate thing that needs to be addressed. Um, And it's just been like that for years. (laughs) I feel like Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm just bouncing from child to child to child. And then you throw in my husband and I, you know, cause we are people too and have needs or, you know, health issues or whatever. Um, And then you throw in, you know, any, you know, um, extended family things, neighborhood, you know, stuff happening in the world, school districts, you know, my city, it's just, it's completely overwhelming. Um, and a way that I have tried to, I don't know, pull in that survival is to, this is probably getting ahead of myself in the adaptation line, but it's just to make my world very, very small at times. And we can talk about that some more later. Um, but shrinking that, you know, interaction around me, but, uh, but yeah, it's just been, I really, really want to, I like to prepare. I like to plan. I like to look ahead. I like to feel like I'm in control to some extent. And it's really, really hard to do those things if you cannot have the time to prep or plan ahead. It's always just whatever's right in front of you right that second, I can deal with this and that's it. And today is a perfect example of that um, for me. I have some business stuff to do with, with cookie pickups and, you know, my, my personal business that I own, I have that and that's all I could get done. It was like, this day has been broken down into 30 and one hour increments and I can just, right now I'm podcasting. And as soon as we're done podcasting, then I have a meeting and right after that meeting, then I have Mm -hmm. to go (laughs) take someone to go get an allergy shot. And then I have to go like, it's just every hour there is something I need to, there's somewhere I need to be at, or I need to be dropping someone off somewhere. And it is going to be like that until about four o'clock this afternoon. And I can't even think about what we're having for dinner yet because I, I just need to remember what the next thing, where the next place I need to be. And Mm -hmm. I know that's maybe 
not so, uh, it was not like that when my children were younger. And I guess that's maybe, I don't want to discourage anybody, but as your ch- kids get older and they're more into the teenage years, they're just, they have a lot more things that they do outside of the home, um, you know, and just because they're interacting with the world on their own and they need to be doing those things. They need to be, become more independent. And it's, it just adds a lot on you to keep track of it all, especially if they're not driving yet. <laughs> like Shannon would say, mm-hmm. driving yeah. Driving's a big, a huge deal um, when they can get to where they need to be. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just, it's just relentless. And I feel like sometimes when I'm in the survival mode, I can get my head above water enough to get a gulp of air, and then I'm back down again. And I'm just, I'm just trying to tread water and keep my head enough out of the water so I can breathe. And. Um, it's enough for, I would like to point out something that you didn't necessarily highlight. <laughs> you talked about things in a very linear way of like, this is happening this hour, this is happening that hour. But yeah. as you know, and we all are accustomed to knowing is that you end up putting out other fires in between that. Mm-hmm. So, and that yes. steals more time and energy and then less time and opportunity for recovery. And then you know, potentially having to decide something's going to have to just be cut off for that day and not going to happen, you know, and having to recalibrate Mm -hmm. that. And that's part of that survival mode. And when you are, when that is persisting, which we will talk about that when we get into um, the phase of, um, of settling in and separating that these kind of themes and concepts when there are things that are still persisting, they, it, it then makes it impossible for us to have those phases of settling in and, and possibly moving into some form of separation from that. Like you're kind of, you know, moving in a, you know, upward trajectory. Um, but, uh, so I, yeah, I felt all of that and I, you, uh, I, I feel like since we've known you, because we've all became friends during, you know, the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, I do feel like you have been in, it's almost been like different forms of survival, different, mm-hmm. um, for sure. I mean, I, you know, there's there's been very, if any, small gaps of time for you to recover. And that recovery is essential. Um, One of the things before I tell like what's going on with, with us here in survival, with some of the things that it says, ways to ease your survival. Doesn't this sound great? Make time for yourself. (laughs) Understand your feelings and create a support system. (laughs) Well, you know, I think we can kind of, we kind of do well with two and three, but number one is like, yeah, that's always the, uh, sacrificial lamb, um, in the bunch (laughs) there of what you can do to ease survival mode. I'm not wrong. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong at all. No, no no, no lies detected. Okay. That's what I thought. (laughs) Um, so my summer, let's, let's see. It, um, I knew it was going to be tough and I was kind of delightfully surprised in the beginning that it seemed like Rory 
really grasped and understood, or not grasped, that he was like handling it well with not going to school every day. But I kind of sort of expected that in the first two weeks because it's like, well, he kind of can kind of relate it to spring break, winter break, you know, fall break. And he did manage those this year very, very well, like much well than previous years. I mean, we, those, it still is hard coming off of breaks because getting us recalibrated back into representing re, re the demands of the tip can usually, you know, bubble up some mm-hmm. hard behaviors Years. and adjusting and all that kind of stuff. And like getting us kind of, again, just finding a new equilibrium, even though you're only, you know, at break for a week or two. Even those four-day weekends, man. Four-day weekends. I have such a love-hate relationship with them because they kill me, man. They kill me. They kill me. (laughs) It's, you know, um, especially with Rory's like. (laughs) Yeah, what is that? I mean, it's just a label. It's just a label. It doesn't mean that we get to enjoy them. Um, I didn't. This isn't in in my schedule calendar. I don't get weekends. It's just right. It's just an identify. It's just an identification term for where we are on the weekly schedule. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, mm. you know. I uh, so he's like this year. He's just loved school, which has been a beautiful thing. But every day it's school tomorrow, school tomorrow, mm-hmm. and you know, and then we say it's summer break. No summer break. Mm. Yuck. Ew, <laughs> school tomorrow. I mean, I'm you tell telling him, you. Sam, Sam, I feel the same. The, yeah, dude, you've, <laughs> I am <laughs> in some ways. Yes. In some ways. No, I also have anxiety about the school year, but in a different reason for different reasons and specifically pre- previous years, because I have no anxiety about him returning, like him acquisitioning to school. Like that is, I am like, oh, it's going to be like that part's going to be great. I, the anxiety is I'm be thrusted back into the high demand expectations and engagement and having to throw that back into my schedule. So it's kind of like I'm exchanging one stress or certain levels of stress for another kind of stress Mm -hmm. when I'm not going to have any recovery time because there's no, it's, it's 24 seven with these kids. Like I'm seeing this year, right? Like Rory also was not eligible for ESY, but I'm seeing that he has the coping skills now. I, even if he had, when he had previous eligibility for ESY, I never did it because he didn't have the coping skills to handle acquisitioning and transitioning, um, to, to ESY It would have caused more pro at that time caused more issues than, than helped. Do I think it would help now? Yep. I do. Am I also blessed that we have, you know, ABA in our home this summer? Yeah, I am. I'm very thankful. That's helping him tremendously with maintaining, you know, skills that he's learned and continuing to grow. I mean, and he's still having speech at home twice a week. But let me tell you, it's them still being in your home and still having to plan everything mm-hmm. and not, and then you just, and not having that space, but at the same rate, Rory, this is at this stage, whatever is going on, this kid needs eyes on him at all times. He is in, when you were talking about, you know, destruct, like Rory is dismantling all my lamps. He's dismantling all my kitchen stuff, which my kitchen stuff is like, 
<gasps> like it's your baby. I'm oh my gosh. I'm like I'm literally having I'm having a hard time regulating myself and my reactions to these things because it's like I've at least you know, it's one of these things where it's like, okay, well, I've at least maintained keeping this part intact. And now all of this is falling apart. And it's like, what else can I, my brain is so full. I have so many tabs open in my brain. I don't know what other ideas to come up with. Mm. And then, you know, even yesterday, why therapy was here and I had meetings I, and I came back and they were doing rope. Well, he did great. And he didn't have any of those maladaptive behaviors. And I was like, because there are two additional bodies in mm-hmm. here that are strictly only giving my son attention in real terms, in real life. That's not me and Brad cannot give him a hundred percent attention every, at every minute of the day in order to avoid yeah. these maladaptive behaviors. Right. So like, I felt kind of like, they're like, well, we're not, you know, well, we're not serious. We're doing this. Well, that's great, but I can't just be about Rory. Mm-hmm. Like everything I do, yes, is for my kids, but I can't just then be about managing Rory. Um, it's becoming so hard, like it's so hard. And there's, and I realized I'm like, there's no break from this. There's been no break this. I mean, at least when my kids are in school previous years, why, why it was still hard and for different reasons, Rory was at a center and he was, and McKenna was at a preschool. I at least had recovery time for at least four hours, Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And during the summer, I'm not having that now. And so it's just like, you're running through your days and they just wake up and kind of, doing the same things you were doing, but then it's always like, okay, well, what's going to happen today? Right. So he's like taking apart my light fixtures and throwing light bulbs. You know, it's not the most ideal thing to be happening. Let's, you know, quite frankly, <laughs> it's dangerous. Uh, it's destructive light bulbs and that stuff is not, aren't cheap, you know, and then it's just one more thing you got to fix. And, you know, it just adds to your plate when you think about all the things, like you're like, you're trying to keep it all together. Also keep things moving. You're trying to like keep things going and moving forward. And then you're like, <laughs> there's just, and there's no recovery time. And it's like, well, I've had a few times where I've been able to make some time for myself. And I have re, what is the word? Uh, reinitiated, you know, a commitment level to myself for that time. Right. Um, and even though why that's hard and it's hard to show up for myself at those times because I'm like, but I need to do this. And, you know, you're so, so anxious to even transition into those personal times. So it's like, I am majorly, and I'm, you know, just, I'm on, I, I'm constant. We, we just went through a tweaking of Rory's medication and it still is, it's gotten better. It's definitely gotten better. And I think that we are of the right cocktail happening, right? I do. But it's not, it's not perfect. We're not totally there yet. And then uh, myself, you know, I was having reactions to my increases and now I've had to decrease it. So even my own body physiologically is going through a recalibration again. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those things happening simultaneously with all the other responsibilities and all the other, like, it's impossible to not feel like I'm in su- survival mode at this point 
it's constant. And I have, I'm having a hard time like regulating myself and my reactions. Cause it's like so many fires with my family keep, you know, when it's not just, it's not just Rory, but is a lot of Rory, you know, you're having to be responsive to them and it's take, takes up a lot of head space. It's very exhausting. Okay. So we can, uh, we can move into probably even one of my favorite discussions of the phase. And I do feel like, again, because we talked about how it's a Venn diagram, it say it shares space with, you know, that survival mode, which is searching, you know? And I remember in the beginning I was in searching and survival mode for a good portion of time. And a part of that reaction to what we're trying to survive is that it also thrust us into that search mode um, that we are constantly searching for ways to remedy, repair, get more information, find out, find new ideas. And you're doing all that simultaneously again, while also trying to keep your, um, you know, life together. Hold on. I'm going to pull up the exact distinction here and then allow. So it's, it's a function of acting and it's time for outer and inner reflection, which, you know, goes hand in hand with everything that I was just describing. And it's, it's a period of growth and moving forward. It's supposed to be, you're trying to do that to then kind of find new ground um, and some reprieve from whatever it is that you're kind of what's had thrown you into survival mode to begin with. Um, And then when it lets up, you can begin to choose your battles more keenly, but initially you're just kind of in overdrive with it. And I would say, again, this is the adaptation part is that in the beginning, it's kind of like, at least for me, you're picking every single battle. You're taking on everything. You're taking on the whole shebang, right? But the more adapted (laughs) person is that you can start to keenly cipher down, siphon down to, okay, we just need to look at these three things right now. And that's what we're going to focus on. That's where I'm going to dedicate my time. And you're not, you've, you know, it's a constant cost benefit analysis. And so, yeah, I've definitely gotten better at that, but you still find yourself kind of, I feel like I'm always in search mode. I just do. I do. Do, 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 I don't know. Is it just me? No, no, I, I think we all are because not only are you, living a life that you have at least for the four of us none of us have lived with uh you know autistic people in our immediate family that we have been a mother to or in charge of and so you're not only learning how to navigate caring for someone who has you know mm-hmm. specific needs or or um, needs extra support but then the research and the availability and the mm-hmm. the health insurance and the programs and all of that is changing um, sometimes at a very rapid pace. And so there is a constant search or or having to recalibrate in order to use or not use or change or adapt to whatever availability you have for 
even just services or school or Mm -hmm. a new teacher or, you know, and then a new behavior will crop up or change with a child. Um, And because they, because of their particular needs, they need additional support. And so you have to find out what that support is, or if you even have, you know, outside help to, (laughs) to help support you, or if you have to just come up with it all on your own. Um, Mm -hmm. I've done all of those things. So uh, the searching, yeah, is, is constant. It's, just the nature of our world and not only our kids and their behaviors, but just what's available and what's not available to you as a, as a family and as a mom. Well, and, and then the search mode is not just for them, right? We, each of us has yes, typical children and a spouse. It's, it's searching of how do we, mm-hmm. you know, how do we make this possible, better, whatever word you want to use, um, for every member in, in this, in this, you know, moving equation, I suppose. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so that, that's, that's the other side of the coin. I I feel like, is it's not just all centered around, you know, the balance of learning and growing and the one individual it's, it's for each of us, you know, um, it's making sure our typical children are not glass children, you know, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Best, I know. This is our best episode yet. This is. <laughs> it could be. Oh. Actually, we want everybody's input. You're going to need to say it, whether or not this is I the think best it's one the or not. Conversation of all of this, and it's th- Thursday. <laughs> you know, it's almost the weekend. <laughs> and it's life right now. If we're being honest, um, why you why you touched on that? This is a great segue into this part of the conversation of, or just to put this in or plug this in here. So the basis and foundation of like all psychology of like treating, like if you're looking, if you're in family psychology or marital any kind of relationship, it's it's the family systems theory. Okay, and the there's a lot of people out there that are doing the research that are kind of trying to change the narrative and dialogue around some of the things in family systems theory, because it's set up to be for this perfect nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And that's outlined this perfect nu- nuclear family. And with, with having um, any type of, any type, if you are a caregiver to anyone, not just a child, but you have your caregiver to another adult or, or, you know, um, like, you know, an out, your parent or any of those things, it changes how the family is going to all relate and function together. Mm-hmm. You know, the roles are going to change and there's not in the original language of the pathology around it, it has, it, it makes out that the people that have a disability of any kind or, or these extra care needs that they're these like burdens to our families and, and stuff like that, Uh, you know, you can imagine, okay. Can I go, you can imagine. And that's what a lot of, there's a lot of psychologists out there. There's a lot of healthcare providers that don't understand the interpersonal dealings and dynamics and 
functionality or the ways that of families like ours too, if we already didn't feel isolated enough. So one thing I would like to encourage, you know, it is good to, you want, it's for you good for your own personal mental hygiene, but the hygiene of your family is to have that, you know, mental health support and having that lens and help and assistance and working through these complicated layers of your family dynamics, finding that there are healthcare professionals, there are psychologists that you can find if it is accessible to you. I know that it's also an accessibility issue to that, that have that are basically experts more or less with dealing with neurodivergent families or families that have, you know, disabled people in them and understanding that their families don't look like the nuclear family and that whole entire depiction of the expectation of well, the family system theory, uh, family system theory is the empirical, um, the empirical framework for how families should function. The thing is, is that what you were highlighting Tosh and what Brittany has also highlighted. And I've talked about roughly kind of as well is that it, it, there's not a place in our life where this doesn't touch the part of our lives. Mm -hmm. It's, it's almost innately impossible. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly having to revisit and, and look at those and look at those things. So I just wanted to, to place that in there and, you know, and Shannon, you are back in search mode. You're sitting here being introspective and reflective going, okay, are we getting, you know, another, are we going to revisit and have ABA come back into our home or into play or, you know, in the works here, what's that going to look like? And, you know, why you're doing this massive transition. Yeah. 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 So like, well, and say, I'm say doing same the same as Brittany well. as well with just the, you know, with Austin being in, well, you with OT. Go, go ahead, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> you know, t- tell me what I'm doing. You speak for, you speak for yourself. Sorry. Honestly, you guys could tell tell all of my stories. No, you really could. You, could, you would do a lovely job. But yes, we are. We're doing the same things. Like um, Shannon just had to step away for a sec, so I'll tell mine. But um, yeah, I um, we're we're looking into OT again uh, to help with regulation, and it's going to be a long road. And I have to say, when I realize that I'm heading back into search mode searching mode because I can recognize that I've been doing this long enough. Now I can kind of see the pattern or the way the, the, you know, (laughs) whatever thing is happening that week, what, what direction we're heading, I can tell. And and there is a level of resistance to it. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes Um, maybe, maybe denial or just, I don't want to go back into that place because I know how much work it is. Right. Um, or at least I know how much potential work it can be. Sometimes it works out fairly quickly and things fall into place um, and, and it's great. And and things are, quote, relatively easy as far as finding the right doctor or the therapist or setting up whatever new thing you want to do or finding even the time to focus on a new thing. Um, you know, we're trying to do a um, a brushing regimen with him. Uh, with those, this, I don't what they're called, the soft brushes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a lot of OTs uh, use those 
I think they're fabulous. They're, if it works for your kid, it can be a really great, easy way to um, kind of help ground them and find, you know, can calm. And so we're trying that right now and we're seeing some level of success, but, you know, so that that's fairly easy. I can, I can add that into the, the repertoire of the mm-hmm. day fairly easily, but there are other aspects and other things that, I mean, we need some pretty significant help in order for him to stay regulated on a consistent basis. And it's going to require a lot of my time, energy, and now money. And, um, and I have probably subconsciously and consciously put it off a little bit because I don't want to take on another thing. Right. Uh, and so there, if it's, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's a very, um, normal and natural, <laughs> response to realizing that you're going to have to maybe take on another, I don't want to, my kid isn't a project, but you know, another, another layer, Mm -hmm. um, to his, his care and his needs. And it's, it's daunting and it's okay. If you maybe step back for a second with wide eyes and be like, Oh man, okay. I just need a second to like (sighs) mentally prepare myself for this next step. Um, and that's only the things that I can possibly predict or even think, <laughs> you uh, know, you know, but like you've talked of, about, of what too. Co- go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I think you're on the right track. I was just going to say, yeah, what, you, what you've talked about with us on, on Marco's, you know, is, is um, sending you back into the different parts of the stages of grief of, you know, if, if you would have done this, you know, Four years ago, would you even be, you know, would Austin even be having these behaviors right now? So then, then you're in this area of, you know, I guess you could call it shaming yourself or or regret or or, or whatever, you know, being yeah, um, playing the know, what if it, game, the yeah. what if game, and and putting the the blame somewhat on on yourself, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, it's. It's so hard. Yeah. I wanted to add to Brittany's, <laughs> Brittany's story, which is that you also Therapy mentioned to us <laughs> that um, Ruby is there being, that su- was suggested to you that Ruby start center-based ABA. Yes. And your response was that I don't, I, I need to table that for now until I kind of get Scott off to college and- yeah. Yeah, you know, um, we can we can only uh, you know and 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 you know Austin adjusted to OT right and so it's yeah. like that's the adaptation part right the old you like the old me would have been like oh we're gonna do all this mm-hmm. at the same time yeah, yeah. magically everybody's gonna right? get there and it's all gonna work out instead of yeah the old me would have tried to do it all at once but now I'm just old. And so I can't. (laughs) I just can't. That's also the part of being more adapted. Yeah, I just our bodies. Our bodies are our bodies. Exactly. Exactly. And but I also know. I also know that I know what it's like to start an ABA program. I have experience with it. Um, I know what kind of commitment and level of care and for it to really be effective, right. there needs to be a certain level of my time and attention that needs to be devoted to it. And if I know that I may not have that available in the next, you know, say a month or two months, then it is not only going to not be helpful, but it could be hurtful because hurtful. she mm-hmm. may have a negative reaction to it 
because I can't be fully present and available to to right. help her navigate right. the, a, a new program. So, so yeah, there's a whole level to it, like just even that. And it's so hard. It's brilliant. I don't want people to. I'm so worried about discouraging everyone because uh, we want to be real with you. We're not going to sugarcoat things. We're no. not going to lie to you. No. But at the same time, like everybody is so unique. And be- just yes. because of th- these experiences that we're talking about on here and that we're saying, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have the same experiences. Mm-hmm. You might have similar things, similar experiences at, at different levels or different durations. But just know that the more times you do this, the more years you get under your belt and the more times you keep trying different things and, and, and adapting and searching and all of these things that we're talking about, you're going to gain that experience, and that knowledge base, and you're going to be able to, to look back on that or to reference that in the future and then make hopefully better decisions or at least more informed decisions. And so that's why maybe it's so complicated for us now um, especially me, who's been doing this the longest out of the group, is because I do have all these years behind me that I can reflect back on and pull positive and negative things from. And then I have to mm. take those experiences and weigh those into my next steps. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just, mm-hmm. okay, well, I've never done this before. We'll just give it a try so, because I yeah. have. Um, it, but you know, it's not always going to be, it's not going to be the same every time either. So I hope I'm making sense. No. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think you're discouraging. I don't think you're discouraging. I think what we're trying to do, I think, and we are doing well, and that's just my opinion. (laughs) Of course, our audience can tell us differently. I am open to the construction criticism, patting us on the back. <laughs> I'm just I'll trying. I'm it. trying to I'll lift us it. up, right? It. Lift us I up. Totally okay. Out of way. Is is that we're normalizing these obstacles are right. real? Yes. We're normalizing that this is a normal reality where we feel when it's not expressed or talked mm-hmm. about, it feels abnormal. Right. Makes us feel more isolated. You know, having and then also having a sense of camaraderie as a as a unit, you know, with the four of us, that is very helpful for us, you know, but it is, it is much more the norm than not. And I, and it's just not talked about you. And it's so easy. I can see myself. I can see myself as almost like code switching. It's like, I live between two different worlds, right? Because if I go into, you know, I'm, I'm in my role as a, as a trustee and everyone's like, oh, how are the kids? And how's the family? You know, all, you know, that kind of surface level, easy question. But it's like, that's not really the way you would, if you really, if they really had insight, they would know, right? right? Like it's not, you, there's not, there's not a level of understanding there that, that pre-exists because the normal is, is the, is the nuclear model and the, you know, family systems model and not that our, our way of life. And so what we want to do is broaden that. And there is a way for us because it's, because it would be like saying, well, you know, it, it basically, it inadvertently says, and it may not knowing that it's intending to do this way is that if you, then you don't fit in or you, you don't belong here or you're less than, 
There's not those accessibilities for resources like this, for these knowledges, for these sounding boards, for these conversations that we're having that are necessary. So we're not trying. I, I really, I hope, my hope is to all everyone out there is that that is what you are getting from the community that we've put together and that you're a part of here is that we want y'all to feel seen and heard and have space here and that you have space in the world and we all can still do great things and have goals and dream and do, do all of that Mm -hmm. despite the obstacles that, that we all have. Um, Each, each of our realities, you know, between the four of us and, and, and our audience, you know, all of you guys out there are the, your reality is your reality. What, what you are going to be able to handle, um, you know, take on what you choose to do, not to do, you know, in, in regards to services for your child, that, that is your reality and whatever reality that is, that is okay. Um, there is no one way there's no, you know, you should be doing ABA, you sh- you know, whatever. Um, and however you're wa- walking this, uh, this journey it is yours alone. You know, we just want to be a, um, What's the word? A partner. A partner in it to and to support. To, well, to support you and and also to tell you that that you're doing good. However, you're doing it and however you're choosing to do it, you're you're doing good. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's I think that's you know we get we get stuck on even in this community. You know what's right and what's wrong for who and wh- what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing, and um, it's just not the case. It's just. It's just not. Um, all of our realities are very different, um, mm-hmm. so we can't we can't compare and we can't judge. And and um, you know, all we can do is is just be there for one another um, and share our our truth, share our reality, and <clears throat> our walk. So yeah, and hope and boom. hope it yeah. can we're all help and same, inspire someone we're else. We're in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Okay, there you go. Right. That's we're gonna reiterate so, Jean, that. And, and I would also walking say on water. to that, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. I would all, I would also no. say this. Hold on, hold on. So hold okay, on. All, right, all right, all right. I remember that I wanted to say this. Um, is that shoot? Now it's gone. Gosh, <laughs> darn it. And there you go. <laughs> and there you go. It's I'm gonna, so sorry, Jean. It's going to come back to me. It's going to okay, come back well, to me. I know it. Can I ask I know my question while you think about it? So yeah. I have a logistics question here, ladies, because we're we're over an hour in now. Mm. We've made it halfway through the Venn diagram of adaptation. Do we mm-hmm. make this a two-parter? And we come back and we do an episode on the last two stages and wrap it up, or are we going to power through the next, the rest of it? And I think uh, the next two phases are, considering that none of us are in those phases <laughs> currently, will go fast. <laughs> okay. the, the meat right. of what we go into, it's like it's like the the next yeah. two phases. I feel like are fleeting. You know, okay. they're not. That's they, what I, I wondered. Well, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, well, I have been able, in those phases. In the, yeah. Right. And that, <laughs> yeah, but they're fleeting. How long they are last, fleeting. I can attest to the, to the, uh, yes, the short duration of them, but yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk about them then. And then um, Shannon's going to be in and out. She's got a repairman at her house, guys. She's been texting me. So um, we may not hear a ton more from Shannon this episode, but that's okay. Um, Okay. All right. So uh, the settling in phase is is the third stage where you see the decline of search mode, (laughs) seeing the world for what it is, seeing yourself for who you are, a sense of belonging, and you're kind of coasting and you have reprieve. Um, uh, Yeah, I I feel like I've had very short blips of starting. And, And I would say it was just kind of the emergence of, of settling in. Like right. it's never stayed there long enough for me to feel like, man, we are coasting along here, mm, you know, right. but everybody's like, we're going to get you, you know, we want you to thrive. Yeah. I, I want to thrive too, mm-hmm. but I also have right. to like figure out how to thrive why I'm in this constant mode of survival and searching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think I've been into a settling in phase at, at certain periods, um, when the boys were a little younger, when everyone was kind of in the elementary school age um, and into middle school with, with my older ones and we had ABA kind of cranking and we had, we had a rhythm, right. And that tends to happen during the school year, a little bit more for us That's um, because there's more of a routine and a rhythm to your day. There's Mm -hmm. more structure, I should say. Um, it, It has been fleeting, but there have been, you know, weeks here and there where it seems like things are flowing. Now, that doesn't mean everything is perfect. Um, it doesn't mean we're, we're not having bad days or struggling, but there is a certain rhythm. You feel like what you have in place seems to be it's, working, it's, or at least you're able to maintain a certain level of um, peace, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone seems to be, you know, you're, you're at whatever capacity, oh, you have whatever program you want in place, you have whatever structure you have in place, and it seems to be working or you seem to be progressing. And so you're just going to continue on with those things. You're not searching for a new thing or trying to adapt um, and change something that you, maybe you already have there. So I do, I do recognize that that has happened in my life. I am not doing that right now. That is not correct. <laughs> But uh, but that is the goal, right? Is to search out those things, find them, and then um, and then work, do the work. That's what settling in is. It's it's finding whatever you need to find to help you, and then doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, you know, that's what I'm. I think also, we're all trying to do that right also, now. I think it's also the acceptance, right? It's like peace yeah, sure. is not the absence of all the things that are bad in the world, right? Where people have this idea. No, it's being able to be in the world while the chaos, finding serenity while the chaos is still all happening. And that's kind of, it's like, again, adapting to your new normal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a very, very important distinction. And I, because I think we're trained as young people in just our society that, yeah, peace or or adaptation or a sense of you. you ha- it's supposed to, everything's supposed to be perfect and work out, and it's supposed to be calm, and you know everything is going your way. And that's not that's not what adaptation is. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's 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 living with whatever is difficult, but yet still being able to to find find a little yeah yeah. I'm I'm in it right now. Moment of serenity. I'm, I'm in knowing that my 
piece is all effed up. <laughs> and well, and a lot and, of it comes yeah, from in, yeah, your internal self. Not explicit. I, I I refrained from using the word I truly wanted to use, but it's knowing I'm 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 in a moment right now where I'm like it's hard. It's hard, but I'm adapting to it and and I'm knowing that that things are not perfect, but they're they are not going to stay like this. And I am okay with you know, quote unquote, surviving um, the best I can right now. Um, you know, with with just knowing it it just is what it is, you know, it is. and and my my searching is, just knowing that the school year will start soon and we will be back into that yeah. cadence, that rhythm, um, and and we will be in that settling phase again. So there you have it. Yeah. Right. Just you're just trying to hold, hang on for dear life until you can get there. Just, right. That's right. Just I'm just buckled up. <sighs> I'm gonna I'm not even gonna be driving. I'll just sit in the backseat and coast. Yeah. <laughs> And there's no, and there is no for certain for there's no certainty for really what's around the corner. Like we can all have these, like, it's almost like fantasizing, like, oh, you can just see it. Right. Like, but the truth is, is that there are things that are out of our control and we don't really know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Shannon, what about you? I feel like you were kind of settling in there for a little bit and now it's all kind of mm-hmm. this year, 2022 is kind of agitated. <laughs> That's a good oh, word. I had, my, it. I had my, I had my ducks in a row until 22 mm-hmm. hit. And then it was like, I can't say it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <Please>. She <laughs> are not an explicit podcast. So I need to just from from she called it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. She called it before it even started. <laughs> well, this is not gonna be my year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I, just she's okay just gonna with that settle right into now. it right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna settle into the sewer oh. that is twenty twenty two. Um yeah, you know, I mean I I'm dropping things. I apologize. I have an air conditioning person working in my house and I'm stalking him on my oh, security geez. cameras. So, um, so do yeah, you, do, you know, I think I'm kind of where I know, I think I'm kind of where Tosh is right now where it's just, um, it's sort of embracing the suck while knowing that it doesn't last forever. Right. Just knowing that we always get on the other side mm-hmm. of it. We always do. Um, and just trying to, learn how to sort of wade my way through it right now while holding on to what little bit of sanity that I have left. Um, if, if only they could thing. see our text threads. Yeah. Right. I know. We're not going to publish that. <laughs> oh, have a good, have a good check-in yeah. team who uh, can laugh yeah. with you and send you horrible mm-hmm. gifs or gifs or whatever they're called. Whatever they're called, right? Um, I think one thing that I'm going to start doing that I think always sort of helped me before and I've gotten away from it in just the crap fest that is 22 um, is I was very big on like I had a daily journal. Like I used to show you guys this like, you know, way back in the beginning. Um, And I in that I would have like a to do list of things that I needed to make sure that I got done in my my way of like 
going through that was there was a top three. So like I may have a to-do list of 15 things, but there's a top three. And those are the only things that I'm going to stress myself out about. Like I may have 15, 30 things on this to-do list, but the top three are all that matter. Um, And I do feel like having that sort of helped me because one, it reminded me all of the things that like, because this life gets so crazy that I forget to do a lot of Mm -hmm. things, right? Like we just get so wrapped up in different things. So one, it like keeps things at the forefront of my mind. So I'm not forgetting things that are important, like call your kid's school and change your address, right? But it may not be number one on the list. Um, But also the satisfaction that comes with even ending the day with one checkmark and like showing myself that like, I had a really hard day, but you know what? I checked that one mm. thing off that list and I am good with that. And at least I can go to bed being like, yeah, I, I got that check mark. Hmm. 29 to go, but I got one done. Right. So it's uh. like just something that will like give me that little bit of, I know Brittany is also like a type A, like I am, that will just give me that little bit of like satisfaction that like, even though I'm sort of drowning in the crap right now, like seeing that I am making little bits of progress every day, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely helps me when it comes to my mindset. Um, So I think I'm going to start that again. I think that it's either starting that or heavy drinking. So I think I'm going to lean towards journaling. Mm, Let's do the journaling first. Yeah, let's do the journaling (laughs) first. I mean, I wouldn't say heavy drinking. I'm just drinking more. (laughs) What's your, yeah, Um, it's everybody's interpretation of heavy drinking. What's the definition? (laughs) (laughs) I think I would say that very different on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a it's, a, it's, a, it's a spectrum. It's ex- it's a spectrum, it's like everything else. Um, <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Shannon, I thought that you were going to then. Uh, I thought you were going to say this, but I will add on to what you're saying about journaling. <laughs> there is health benefit to journaling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's because the writing part, and I'm not talking about typing, actual hand to paper. It helps you connect with what's going on in your mm-hmm. body. It helps mm-hmm. slow down your brain so that you can then get it into paper because you don't write faster than you type. Most people mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. And so that was something that I gained from one of the speakers a couple of weeks ago, you know, that he said he was like, I hope we never get rid of handwriting in school mm-hmm. and we're at mm-hmm. risk for that, you know. But I also yeah. know there's an accessibility factor. Handwriting is not for all kids and all humans and all that stuff because of whatever their their needs mm-hmm. their needs mm-hmm. are right so it doesn't mean that it's like needs to be a force component but for those that have the ability right. <laughs> to write right. there is su- it is it is therapeutic it is good mental hygiene mm-hmm. to do that it's good for your executive functioning it's good for your you know emotional health there's a lot of benefits to that and i'm i'm with you i got away from that too and i'm i'm you know, getting back to that and getting, it's, it's great once you've, that's the best part too. It's like muscle memory. It's mm-hmm. like when you've had those habits before and you reinstitute them, it is a lot easier to go back to if you had them before. Yeah. It's always harder to start a habit that you've never had before. It's hard. Behavioral changes are hard. That's why we all had a hard time. It was not normal to remember to wear a mask every time you walked out of your house. Mm-hmm. You know, those were big societal behavioral changes that people were not going to be able to do automatically. So there, I remember all that initial shaming that there was out there in the world of like, oh, he doesn't have his mask on. Well, 
dude, we just got into this and that was like not the norm, right? So it's like, don't always think it's because someone is protesting, not wanting to wear a mask. Um, Cause I know even there, you know, even as it was so fluid, it was constantly changing. Well, you wear a mask then, then you don't mm-hmm. wear a mask here. And like our landscape, and if that didn't also take a toll on us, like we also have those components going on in our life. I remember it is what I wanted to say. Now I do, because this also leads into it, is that why we talk about all of these things that are happening in the world and why other families are also experiencing these same challenges, because in a lot of content creators that I follow that are mainly kind of, you know, educational or, um, you know, they have their niche specific, have talked about how working parents are having their hardest summer right now. Mm. And just thinking about that, anytime there is a hard and the general pop of society, think about where other people are. It's much more compounded. It's not then there's more release and reprieve for other parts of society. We're then more compounded by those um, environmental things. And I know that Gosh, if if I had respite, I wouldn't be feeling this is as hard as it is. Mm-hmm. But it's not there, and it's not an amenable thing at the moment, right? So it's um, that's see, it still fit in there. It still fit in there. <laughs> it's still, it's still got it in there. Um, the last part, which I don't think any of us are in. Um, or, well, actually, let me say this moving before we move into what the last part is, this does also affect the last phase of the wheel of adaptation, but the obstacles with settling in that that are faced, that families face are they're in continued medical crisis, lack of financial resources, um, severe medical learning, emotional and behavioral problems, weathered relationships as a result and juggling all responsibilities and old issues that resurface when those things are persisting it's hard to reach that i'm settling in phase and whether you check every single one of those boxes or you check one if that one thing is persisting for you it's going it is going to be you know an on it's going to be a barrier to feeling that reprieve stage. And I do know that that is a reality for a lot of families. There are a lot of families that are in constant medical crisis because their child is, is severely medical fragile, severely medically fragile there, or their child's, you know, behavior is so, so severe. They can't even fix all the things in their house that Mm -hmm. are breaking holes in the wall, doors off handles, you know, it's, they can't even come to an environment they can't even get up to breathe because environmentally it's can't get to some type of kind of sanctuary there, much less obviously that there are medical concerns when that is happening. They can't figure out a way to regulate their child mm-hmm. and then they're they have other things. They're constantly having to adjust. It's it's just incessant. They can't come up, they can't even like breathe or advocate and I and I wanna be very 
sensitive to that because there aren't, there aren't voices Mm -hmm. for, for those Mm -hmm. families. And they, and every now and then you'll get an article that, that will portray that Mm -hmm. and talk about that very severe reality that they're living in. And like, you know, this does exist, this level of autism does exist and it is a completely different type of life. And I know, you know, Brittany, you talk about your story. I do feel like I myself can be in that place very easily a couple years from now. Sure. Um, I, I should say I'm not immune to it, right? Because of where my child has been diagnosed. So I, I know you, like you've said before about with Austin, that he was not like this before puberty and puberty right. has changed things and it has you in a different mode and you, and this is also a shameless plug of all the stories that we're telling of all of the personal one-on-one interviews um, of the families that are living with childs with pretty profound autism mm-hmm. Or different right. comorbidities mm-hmm. of autism. And I think that that's, that's super duper important that there is space here for, them. for mm-hmm. yeah. those families. And there's still space and there's still space for families where your child may, their profile may sh- present higher level of competencies in certain areas, but that does not negate the fact or make it irrelevant that your child's challenges are your child's challenges and they are hard and they are difficult because again, all of the way that we operate in our lives, it impacts that. And there are still limitations and there's still obstacles that we all have to face. So I separating is the last phase. Um, and so let's explain what separating is. Shannon's trying to prepare for separating already in a positive way. And we'll explain. So separating is future planning, you know, the begin to plan for the future, build the life you want to have with and for your child, understanding that our kids may require extra time and resources and understanding that our kids are capable. They have agency and don't stop dreaming. (laughs) Um, you know, the house that you moved into Shan was purposeful and intentional, 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 Mm-hmm. with the aspiration that quite possibly if Gracie has to live with you for the, you know, into her adulthood, she has a place that she can still be autonomous to her and not to you as well, as well as being able to still give her the independence the support and support. She, yeah. But support. do you want to, ex- you want to explain that because there are, mo- there are, there are communities out there like this. There are parents that are doing this on their own and they're building their children's like living spaces or living quarters on top of, on their properties mm-hmm. or making it. Um, what did you call it? Ch- uh, Tosh additional um, dwelling you, unit. And, yes. Additional, additional dwelling, dwelling unit. units. I think, I think it all has different names. So mm-hmm. Shannon, your development, your house, it's what a next gen suite. That's attached yeah, they to call them. Yeah, they call them next gen suites, next generation. Um, and, you know, some people use them for mother-in-laws or older parents and other people use them for, you know, their kids and that sort of thing. But we, 
we sort of faced wanting to find our forever house, the last house, but also not knowing what the future looked like, right? So having to plan for two different futures, one where both kids move out and, you know, they're on their own and they're happy and healthy and thriving or, um, you know, the other future being that Gracie is with us longer, you know, than Maya or the average child would be or forever. Um, and the house that we purchased has a next gen suite. So it's actually attached to our actual home. So it's a door by the laundry room that you go into. And it is, you know, its own kitchen, its own living room. It's got a closet for stackable washer and dryer, a bedroom and a bathroom. Um, in the thoughts that if Gracie is with us, you know, for a significant period of time, we can have her home and safe and you know, know where she is and know that she's being taken care of, but also hopefully really teach her independent living Mm -hmm. skills so that she can, you know, make herself food and do her own laundry and also have privacy in her own space, you know, to develop into the person that, you know, we, we want her to be and that she she likely wants to be when she gets older, you know? Um, And so that was really one of the big deciding factors of this home. Um, It's also doubled into a really great place to put all my exercise stuff (laughs) at the moment (laughs) until she's, you know, old enough to actually utilize, you know, the area. Um, And it's not lost on me how blessed we are to have that. I know that that's not something that, you know, everyone can have and I it's not lost on me we're we're incredibly blessed while my husband does work incredibly hard to provide um I do know that that's not something that everyone can have but it's been it's been a good step in planning and also relieving to know that should we need it you know it is Mm -hmm. something that's there it's huge And if we don't need it, we have a place where the kids can come back and visit, totally. you know, and have their own place. Not move back in. <laughs> There's a difference. Uh, but, you know, Christmas mm-hmm. holidays and, you know, if we have someone come, come over, mm-hmm. it's a nice little space. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a nice little space. And we'll, we'll only uh, yeah, plug, we'll so only plug them the if perks. they uh, sponsor us and pay for our commercials. Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> That's that dreaming part. <laughs> right. Right. <Yeah>. right. <laughs> well, um, see, I told you the last two parts. I mean, I think, again, you know, settling in can be very fleeting because you can kind of be thrusted right back into crisis mode. Mm-hmm. We can call it crisis mm-hmm. mode, survival mode, whatever it is. Things are just unpredictable. Um. And you don't, you just don't know um, what's going to happen. And you're just like, you have to be ready for anything. And that's why it's like, again, it's this, it's this wheel of adaptation. Mm -hmm. It's like this amoeba and like there's different balls in the amoeba and they all kind of, you know, move around and sometimes are Mm co-occupying space, Mm -hmm. you know, in each other's spaces where it's like, you know, you may not be in the settling in phase to an extent, but you kind of are back in, it's where survival mode and separating are kind of co- yeah, coexisting, now, yeah. ho- coexisting together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a super, it's a super great example of mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I love the, the diversity of all of our dynamics here. And I hope that our audience 
benefits from his conversations, can see themselves in it and starts to be reflective about it and knowing, you know, just on the ongoing basis, um, you know, there's, and obviously knowing if there's a part of this that doesn't make sense to you, ask us questions or, um, if there's another part, an element that you wanted to cover that we didn't cover, let us know. Um, and forever, hopefully make this be these episodes, this entire series, be a resource that you can lean into because just like with anything, you know, the first time you hear it, it lands with you one way. The next time you hear it, it lands with you another way. And there's different ways to, to get things from it. So mm-hmm. absolutely. anything else? And thanks for sticking with us for this <laughs> six, very long episode, but it's very meaty and very important. And hopefully brings everything kind of full circle. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. yeah. It does. I think it did. Mm-hmm. For me, it did. <laughs> and everybody just, just We're hold on, everybody. Just hold on. We are in this together. We got you. We're going to make it. Deep breath. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks for staying with us. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.